Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Visiting Victor podcast with Victor Dadaj, where you'll hear stories and strategies to help increase your sales and grow your business. Here's your host, Victor Dadaj. All right. Welcome to Entrepreneur's Visiting Victor. I am your host, Victor Dadaj. I hope you are having an amazing day so far. Today, we have an incredible guest. He was the chairman of the House of Holland Jewelers at 21 years old. He started and operated Colombian Nutrition System, which consisted of an international workforce organization of over 10,000 managers and professionals. He also started and operated Delta International, which included building an international workforce of over 33,000, producing multi-million millions of dollars in volume. And he hosted a business radio talk show uh, which was sort of across the U.S. and Canada and interviewed three different company presidents for five nightly shows each week. And he is the founder of Givers University. So let us welcome E.A. Solkowitz. How are you doing today, E.A.? Absolutely great, Kevin. Thank you for having me on your awesome show. And uh, I pray we can uh, give some great golden nuggets to your listeners and followers. Awesome. Well, it's great having you on. So I'd like to get started by asking you, please share your story. How did you get started on your entrepreneurial journey and doing all these wonderful things? Uh, happy to do that. Thank you. Um, my, my background was actually, you know, about as humble as a humble can get. Uh, you know, my father was a milkman. Uh, and back then, milk came in glass jugs, glass gallons. And uh, there was a box outside every house that was called the milkman's box. And, you know, that had money in it. And, and it, you know, the funny thing, Victor, was back then, Everyone knew there was money in that box and no one touched it. You know, it was just the most amazing, different times, right? But, uh, so it, my, my father, I mean, he had worked for Twin Oaks Dairy, had his one-man operation delivering milk. That was it, you know, sort of an independent kind of thing. So nothing unusual, very humble, mediocre kind of background. Uh, and then uh, when I was 16, I took my first big step into success and I became a janitor. Uh, and the uh, I had two extraordinary events happened for me when I was a janitor. Uh, the first, uh, at 16, I was able to be bonded, uh, which means insured. So, you know, if my buffer while I was cleaning a place hit a piece of equipment or something, the insurance company would pay for it, right? That also allowed me to be in really expensive places and expensive homes. And every Wednesday, I cleaned the home of a lady who, when I say her name, it won't mean anything to your listeners until I make the movie reference, and then they'll know who I'm talking about. There was a movie out. Uh, a few years ago, it's still available on streaming, probably will be for some time because it's actually quite a good view. It's called The Founder. Uh, Michael Keaton plays Ray Kroc, and it's about McDonald's, right? Uh, and uh, it, it, was, it actually is a pretty good view. Uh, it was out for a few years. I can tell you, because I lived in the Oak Brook area, I witnessed the McDonald's phenomenon in my life. I lived it. I was right there. Uh, so it's very Hollywoodized. I mean, you know, in the beginning of the movie, it says based on a true story. That's accurate. It's based on it, but it has nothing to do with the true story. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was just based on certain events did take place. In any event, uh, during the movie, Michael Keaton, who plays Ray Kroc, and, and, and Ray was not the way he's portrayed in the movie. That's Hollywood drama, Hollywood spin. But uh, in the movie, Michael Keaton, as Ray Kroc, is talking to a lady outside his office all the time. June this, June that, June that. That's June Martino. That's the lady whose house I cleaned every single Wednesday. And she was an extraordinary lady. When I met her, she had the third most controlling stock in McDonald's hamburgers. Um, and she was actually, interestingly enough, in later years, the very first woman to ever to be able to trade on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. She was an amazing woman. And she shared with me one day the whole McDonald's story and how Ray Kroc influenced her life and really became her mm -hmm. mentor. And I remember thinking, I need to find a Ray Kroc. I need, I need to, because I'm a janitor. I'm cleaning her floors, and it certainly <laughs> didn't work out too bad for her. I'm cleaning this million, it was a million dollar home back then in this place called Ginger Creek, sort of a, it's part of Oak Brook where the world headquarters of McDonald's was, uh, which is where I lived also, just right there. So I saw this whole thing. I, everyone in the area knew who June Martino was. She was an icon in the area. So mm -hmm. she told me all about Ray Kroc and his mentorship of her and mm -hmm. how it impacted her life. A couple of months mm -hmm. later, uh, I met my mentor, and uh, he actually, uh, uh, when I worked for the same janitorial service, uh, he called in, he wanted a bid on some carpeting. I went out, met him. The carpet was a no-go because he wanted something real plush for this diamond store he was opening up. Uh, but he offered me a job. I started working for him, and he became my mentor. His name was Sam Robbins. He became the father I never had, even though I had a father, and I became the son he never had, even though he had a son. 
But he was quite an astonishing man, and I didn't know when I met him. I genuinely was meeting a puritanical genius, not not the IQ kind of baloney genius. You know, I, I don't believe in the IQ thing because uh, I've met too many educated idiots in my life. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, they're uh, you know all the information they can spew all the information to you, but zero ed, zero implementation and execution skills. So uh, uh, I didn't know at that point, he really was a genius in the truest sense of the word. And later on, he shared with me the most amazing story that I'd like to share with your listeners because it has a wow effect with it. He was born, he, was, he lived during the Depression time, the Great Depression in the United States. And uh, he told me about things were so bad he actually ate cardboard for some of his meals. I mean, you might talk about having a rough time, right? Uh, he told me about, you know, people were literally jumping off of buildings. They'd lost all their fortunes, committing suicide, you know, multi-mile long soup kitchen lines. And he was in the heart of all of this, right? And every day he walked by a store and the store was filled with sewing machines. There was no one in the store he could, other than one man in the back, same guy every day. So he went in one day and talked with them. I mean, you know, no one was doing anything. No one had any money to buy anything. And so he asked the owner, you know, and he went in and he didn't realize he was the owner. Then he found out quickly. And he said, so I, I noticed there's no one in here. He said, yeah. He said, there's no customers because no one has any money to buy a sewing machine. That's for sure. They're trying to get food. He said, also, uh, I, don't, I can't even afford employees. I'm it. This is it. So my business partner, he wasn't my partner, obviously, at that point, but he had this flash in his head and he told the owner of the sewing machine store, uh, store he said, uh, would you mind if I helped you sell some of these? And the owner says, man, you, you better believe it. I mean, they're just collecting dust right now. You know what I mean? And what do you got in mind? He said, well, rather than having people buy the whole thing, he said, I'd like to sell them on payments. We'll split the payments. He said, I'll guarantee if they don't make the payments good on the sewing machine. He said, I'll guarantee the sewing machine myself. And he said, and we'll split it and we'll see what happens. So the owner said, for sure. I mean, they're just collecting dust. You know, move them, get them out of here, you know, whatever, right? So uh, my mentor then put together a flyer. And this was a really critical thing he did for women to work from home because everyone needed money, right? So what he did well, he said he was inundated. He couldn't even answer all of the responses that he received because uh, everyone needed money for any reason whatsoever. And the work from home was even better yet. So uh, uh, he answered these, talked with these women, got them to buy the sewing machine on payments. He gave them the, uh, the patterns, the material. He guaranteed he would buy the clothing they made from them, basically guaranteeing their income. Then he turned around and sold that clothing to stores as discounted, handmade, high-quality clothing that they could then sell to customers at a discount, high-quality clothing. So he put this whole thing together. And what was amazing, uh, literally, Victor, in this one time, in one year, people are jumping off of buildings, multi-mile-long soup kitchens. He earned $1 million dollars. Now, in today dollars, it's well over ten million. That's for sure, right? And 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 it was so amazing about that whole story is he didn't put in any of his own money. He didn't have any money to put in. But he did later on share with me the importance of this community that he built of women to work from home. He said that was really the key, and from that, by solving all the problems of these people, he solved the problem for the business owner because he needed to move the sewing machines. He solved the problem for people who needed money to make it home. He solved the problem for those women earning income. He solved the problem for the stores and solved the problem for the customer because they could get this high quality clothing at a big discount, right? So across the board, problem, problem, solved all of them across the board. Earned a million dollars in one year during the depression. This was the man that was my mentor, a truly a genius in the truest sense of the word. And he taught me about the importance of these things. And I refer to that story as the Sam sewing machine story because there's so many lessons in it. And it also has to do with community, which is really what we're sort of talking about here today, uh, Victor, and that is the different kinds of communities. There's great communities today. You know, there's communities to help dogs. There's communities to help children. You know, many, many great organizations doing great things. But the word community today, Victor, 
the definition has changed a bit. And to share with you and your listeners how a definition of a word can change, if I said to your listeners, how do you pronounce the word D-I-E-T? Well, it's diet, right? Years ago, many years ago, the word diet actually meant a meeting. If I went to meet two or three or four people, Mm -hmm. I went to a diet. And then later on, the same word spelled the same way meant a stipend or an allowance. Every week I got a weekly diet. That was like an allowance, right? Spelled the same way. Later on, the word, when I was growing up, the word meant eating habits. It was the way you ate every day. That was your diet. Now, if you say the word diet to someone, it means weight loss. All the same word, spelled the same way, but over years it began to change definitions. Right? We've seen the same thing with the word community today. The word community, I believe today, and I'm going to give a couple of examples for your listeners that I'm sure will bring it to light. There are many what I call, Victor, so-called communities. I could also call them taker communities because, well, here's an example for your listeners. Have you ever had an instance where you're cajoled and you're told and invited, come join our community, be a part of our community. And then within hours of you joining, they're selling you something or days and they're pitching you a pitch. All right. First of all, that's not a community. That's a customer list. I mean, you know, why are you doing a bait and switch on me? There's no community there. This is just a customer list or recruiting list. Why don't you just tell me that up front and I'll decide, yeah, I want to be a part of it or I don't. But don't do the bait and switch on me and call it a community when it's not, right? The example would be, Victor, is, you know, in the Old West, the covered wagons, when they make a big circle of the covered wagons. Well, the taker communities are the covered wagons making a big circle. And then when they made the big circle, they shoot inward. You know, shooting in the wrong direction, right? So a taker community, real simply put, is designed to make money off of you. That's a taker community. And there's a lot of them today. And I suggest with your listeners, when you get hooked into one, disassociate yourself because they just did a bait and switch on you. It's not a community, right? So as a part of that, my business mentor taught me something going into giver communities and to distinguish the two. And he taught me something called the giver's scale of life. And he said at an early age to me, he said, let me share with you how this whole life thing works. And I said, okay. And you know, here's a man that's multimillionaire and you know, wealth is coming out of his pores literally, you know, and a, and a genius as I learned on top of it, you know, mentally wise. And so I said, okay, well, how does this life thing work? He said, well, picture in your mind this scale. And on the right side of the scale is all the things you're going to receive and get. On the left side, all the things you're going to give and contribute. He said, now the amazing thing about the giver scale of life is it's never out of balance. It strives for balance. And even if at a static moment in time, it seems like it's out of balance, it's not. Ultimately, it will always balance itself. He said, so here's the way you do it. This will be a bit of a challenge. Forget about everything you're going to receive. Forget about it. And he said, and focus on the giving side, and here's the part you do. You do all the best you can to heave as much onto that giving side and do your best every day to try to get that scale out of balance Mm -hmm. by putting so much on the giving side. He said, if you do that, and if you can do that, you'll never have to worry about what's on the receiving side. And I can share with you, Victor, he spoke great truth. And I can share with you that what I'm about ready to say is not to be braggadocious. It's because it works. And it, I listen to people smarter than me. I was a millionaire when I was 23. And when I was 33 was the first year I ever earned a million dollars in one year in salary after I paid my tax. I had a million dollars in my pocket. And I was 33 years old. Right? I didn't make up any of this. Nothing special about me. But this was one thing that was very important. I listened to someone who had done it. I didn't listen to someone and those who had not done it because my first question is, show me what you've done. And if they couldn't answer that question good, then I knew I was about ready to pay them for their own education. I want to talk to the people that have done it. And you know what's interesting is that they're the easiest people to do it because they realize what it takes to do it, right? So he taught me about this giver scale of life. And then the more amazing thing, and this is something 
even to this day, I'm astonished that my mentor came up with this. He, you know, because of his eating habits, you know, living on cardboard during the Depression, he got diabetes at an early age, and it took a toll on his life. And he actually did pass away younger than he, way younger than he should have. In any event, his health, while I knew him, was literally progressively deteriorating because of this extreme case of diabetes. So one day he came to me and he said, "EA, I'd love to have we, I'd love to have us compete against each other." I said, "What?" And at that point, by the way, we had owned everything 50-50, right? I was equal partners with him. And he said, I'd like to have us compete. And he said, this is what I propose. And I was all ears on this. I thought, this is going to be really interesting. And he said, this is what I propose. We both compete to see who can make the other one more money. And whoever loses has to buy the winner anything they want. I said, wait a minute. All right, let me understand. Before I make commitment on this, I want to understand what we're talking about here. So what you're saying is that you and I are going to compete to see who can make the other one more money, right? So if I work real hard and I make you more money than you make me next year, I get to ask you for anything and you have to buy it? And he said, yep. And I said, okay, now the other shoe. So that means if you make me more money than I made you, you get to ask me for anything and I have to buy it for you. He said, yep. I said, okay, this is going to be really interesting. You're on. Victor, the first year, he beat me so bad it wasn't even funny. And I ended up paying cash for him for a home in Florida. I cashed out the house on the purchase. Now, I couldn't be mad. I had the money. He had made me more money than I made him, and I had the money. So what you know? And and then of course this, now I, and I thought to myself, man, I got to catch on. This is going to be brutal, right? And I made my commitment, so I'm staying in there. So next year I did win, and then he bought me an aircraft, which is when I became a commercial pilot. Second year he bought me a limousine. Third year he bought me another aircraft. I had two planes, literally, that were mine. And then the following years and then subsequent years, we just sort of carried it over and carried it over. And then I realized, Victor, what he had really done. He knew his health was deteriorating. Because we both own 50-50 and we're making the same amount of money, he didn't want later on when he knew he could not keep up with me. He didn't want my head to get goofed up. So he wanted me to win. He wanted me to get that extra perk, that extra thing every year that he didn't get, knowing I would win because he, physically he couldn't keep up with me, just putting in the hours, if you will, right? So as a direct result, I, and I thought, man, what kind of man comes up with that? To think of that in advance, to think of that kind of contest that I've never heard of anything like it before then or since then, of how aggressive that is. And I referred to that later on as, the giver's contest intention. And that brings us to the heart of how a giver community works. A giver community, or as we call them, a giver's junto. And I'll say a little bit about what the word actually means in a few minutes. Is designed to have each member compete to give more to the group than they receive. Now you think, wow, that's pretty utopian and puritanical. Will it, does it work? Well, I can only tell you, I am the story. For sure it does. But you have to have the right people. If you have the wrong people, that, that isn't going to fly, right? So first let's talk about a little bit about what a giver's junto is. The, the word junto actually is quite interesting. It's, it's actually um, a, a Spanish word dating back to the 1600s. And it really wasn't used too much. And in the 1700s, a gentleman picked it up and it got started being used more frequently. And that man's name was Benjamin Franklin. He actually formed in 1727 a group of 12 friends. He formed them and he called it initially the Mutual Improvement Club. Later on, he called it the Junto. Later on, he called it the Leather Apron Club. They met on every Friday. These dozen friends got together. They talked about politics, ethics, morals. I mean, you know, and they, and they literally were committed to each other's lives. What's interesting, Victor, is that the very Declaration of Independence of the United States 
could arguably traced, be traced back to the conversations that took place in the Ben Franklin Junto. So, can a group of people be really powerful when they meet together for a common purpose? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, with Givers University, we have three kinds of Juntos, and we teach people how to form these. That's part of what we're doing right now. That's part of what we do with these podcasts, Victor. We, we want to teach people the importance because I've seen in my life, and, and I'm sure you're familiar with this book. It's called Think and Grow Rich, right? And, and Napoleon Hill talks about the mastermind. I've, and I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with that. I've seen a lot of mastermind groups come together, and then within a month or two, they just sort of dissipate. They just sort of fall apart and go by the wayside, right? And it's because there's critical parts from the very onset that are not put in place. So we are actually teaching people how to form their own giver's junto so that they can have a group of people who they are committed to with what we call the giver's contest intention. The same contest that my business mentor approached me with. That they are all, each individually, having a fiduciary relationship to contribute more to the group than they're getting. But you see, when you have 11 others doing that with you, what do you get from that? 11 people helping you on your life, right? But they got to be the right people. So we have three kinds of Juntos, and I'm just going to touch on those real quick for your listeners. And that is, first one is called the Giver's Greater Junto. Giver's Greater Junto can be any size, membership worldwide. Good example might be the Salvation Army, maybe the Lions Club, something like that, where they have chapters worldwide. We have those that are called Giver's Greater Juntos. Then there's what's called the Giver's Insider Junto. Uh, this is more of a two to 12 members, a little more close-knit, more intimate membership, if you will. Good example would be Ben Franklin's Leather Apron Club, right? His Junto, that would be a good example. And the third is the Giver's Millionaire Junto. Uh, this is two to 12 vetted millionaires who have joined together as a close group for a common purpose and intention. So we have the greater Junto, the insider Junto, and the millionaire Junto. And the, a good example of the millionaire Junto, first of all, was the one I had with my mentor. I was a millionaire Junto. Um, another good example that people may or may not be familiar with is one that Henry Ford formed. In 1915, Henry Ford formed a group, and it consisted of him, Thomas Edison, who was an inventor, Harry Firestone, Firestone Tires, and John Burroughs. John Burroughs was a prolific writer, um, uh, poet. Also, interestingly enough, I mean, you talk about a writer and a poet. He was also a federal bank examiner. And you think, well, that's sort of strange. But I, I got a guess, Victor, he was the money guy, right? Anyway, so here's the four of them. And Henry actually named their group the Four Vagabonds. That was the name of the group. And they traveled together and, and this group, and they had a fiduciary responsibility to give more to the group than they were getting. Now, is Henry Ford any worse off? Was Edison any worse off? Was Firestone any worse off? John Burroughs? No, because they had the right kind of people. And therein lies the challenge. How do you get the right people? How do you do that? Because puritanically, it sounds like a great thing. I can tell you in my personal life, these things work. But they're incumbent on having the right 12 people or whatever that number is. So we thought, so in our thinking with that, we thought, man, you know, that's a really a great service we can perform. Teach people how to form these groups because they can form these groups anywhere in the world. They could have a huge impact on their business, their families, their social life. How do we do that? So we began to put together a plan and I'm going to sort of run through it a little bit in rapid fire in interest of time for your listeners, but to let them know these are the steps and here's what you do to form a Junto that can impact your life more than you could ever dream. I personally would take issue with anyone that says this doesn't work because in my life it did. Just that simple. All right, so... The steps in forming a giver's junto can be easily remembered as a result of an acronym that has seven letters. There's seven steps in forming a junto, and those seven letters spell the word discern, D-I-S-C-E-R-N. And I'm going to touch on each one of those just to uh, share with your listeners. They can go to our website, ask for more info, and We'll teach them. And we have a weekly clip we put out every single week for two minutes that actually is going step by step. And it's called the Giver's Junto. 
every single week for two minutes. And we give them a clip that says, this is what you do this week. This is the next thing you do. This is the next thing you do that will not only assemble it, but then also later on what to do, even with agenda. So here, so I'm going to touch on those seven letters, if that's okay with you. So the, 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 the first one is decide, right? I mean, that's the biggie. You got to decide, who am I going to have as a part of this group? And how do I decide? You know, a couple of interviews ago, I was blessed to do, well, I was best blessed to do what, 110 interviews since last April. And I'm doing another round of 100, if you will. Uh, first time I talked more about this, how do you discern between givers and takers? And we don't label people, but we label their deeds. We don't label, we love everyone. We don't, when we say giver, we're not talking about a person, we're, label, we're talking about their deeds. And the same with a taker, we're not labeling a person as a taker, we're labeling the deeds as a taker, right? So the first thing we do is we give people a list of the 25 deeds that you look for, see? We teach people at Givers University, don't listen to what they say. Here's why. Our talk talks and our walk talks, but our walk talks louder than our talk talks. So we teach people how to discern. What are the actual deeds you should be watching them do? Not what you hear them saying, what you're watching them do, because that's what's, there's the truth right there, right? So we have a checklist literally of 25 deeds that we should observe people doing. And if they're not doing these, they don't make it to your list. If they do, these are the 25, because if they're doing these things, Victor, they're the ones you want. Their, their, their walk is showing they are the ones you want. So we have a list that's called the 25 do's. We give it to people, we want, it's free. We want them to have it, why? We're doing everything we can at Givers University to get that giver's life scale out of balance. We're heaving everything we can onto that left side because we know it's going to influence people worldwide. So the D stands for decide. We give them a, a, a template to follow. Here's the 25 things. This is how you decide who are the ones you want to invite, right? Because you, you invite the wrong ones. It's going to be like all those mastermind groups that just sort of dissipate and go by the wayside after a couple months, right? So number, the I, second letter in discern, is to invite. You invite the 12 people, right? And we even teach them, how do you invite them? What do you say, right? Uh, the S stands for seed. When you seed a Junto, you actually explain what we call the three pillars. And the key with these three pillars and the giver's Junto intention, there's three pillars and one intention, they have to commit to these up front before you approve them as a member. If they do not or are not willing to commit to these three, we love you, God bless you, let's part way friends, right? Let's keep, keep our friendship the way it is, but this inner core, these are people that have committed to all of this, right? See, that's a part that's very important. What do you commit to up front? What does everyone agree to up front? And then that helps be create the glue and the structure along with the proper kind of agenda that helps this thing really become this incredible, powerful force. So the three things, the three pillars, just to touch on them. The first pillar with the giver's junto is what we call the giver's credo. And our giver's credo is give to be great. You can be great by giving. You're not great by taking. All right. Our second is our pledge. To help, and every member has to agree to this up front, to help every giver's junto member lead a life of predictive, massive, and exceptional happiness, freedom, and greatness. And the third is our labor of love, our common purpose of all joining together. And we are going to be launching this particular part in the fall of 2022, and it is massively impacting. Simply put, our labor of love is ending hunger one zip code at a time. And we know exactly how to do it, and we'll be proving it this coming fall. Those are the three pillars. Now, the intention we've already covered. The, the intention that they have to agree on to is the giver's contest intention. The contest my mentor came to me with, right? That they are going to do their best to make sure if they have, assuming 12 members in their group, they're going to do their best to make as much prosperity and help those other 11 members be more prosperous than they themselves are receiving. 
And when all 11 are doing that, it's flat out magic. Just that simple, right? The C in discern is convene. Decide on a regular time, whether it's weekly, whether it's bi-weekly, monthly, quarterly, whatever. Convene on a regular basis. That's the C in discern. E, establish a name. Henry Ford called them the four, four vagabonds. Um, you know, uh, Ben Franklin, Leather Apron Club. Give the group an identity. Give the group a name. Establish it. That's the E in discern. And then after that is R, you rotate. We are going to be providing the Juntos with an agenda. Here's the questions you should ask each other this week or at your next meeting. Here's what you do. And, and what that does is, which is so important, Victor, it creates a structure. These meetings have to have structure, right? Everyone's busy, so we're actually going to help provide them with that structure that helps it all prosper, if you will. So every single meeting, there's a different chairperson, and that's what the R in discern stands for, rotate. Every meeting is a different chairperson who will go through the agenda, ask the questions, participate in the group that we actually will provide them, and N is numbers. Form more Juntos, seed more Juntos. Someone could be a part of a millionaire Junto and an insider, a different insider Junto as an example, because these groups are giver communities. Giver communities are formed to meet together for a common purpose with a fiduciary relationship to help all the members of the group to a greater extent than they are receiving. And that's what a giver's Junto is, just that simple. No, that is really awesome. Thanks for sharing it. I mean, there is so much there. I mean, you came from a humble background. Your dad was a milkman. Um, and and the, the guy you got as a mentor, Sam Robbins, was a guy who was so poor during the Depression, he was eating cardboard. So if you're eating cardboard, you know you're struggling. But if, even during the toughest economic times, if people can, uh, people can find opportunities. And he came across that with this uh, guy who had the sewing store and he struck up a deal with him. He's, you know, they, he would sell half and, and he got to, you know, have these ladies uh, create these dresses and then they sold them uh, to these places and then they sold them as high end. And he made a million dollars in here, which as you know, in 1935 was a lot of money. Like I said, it's probably over $10 million uh, today. So easily, it, easily. So, and, and, and you made a good point about getting a mentor. It's not just getting a mentor, but, Find someone who's done what you want. Too often you have what you call so-called gurus and they haven't really done much. You want to you want to say, show me what you've done. Is this person like you? You, 23, you were a millionaire. Uh, 33, you were making over a million dollars a year. So over the course of these you know decades, you've done, you've shown what you've accomplished. So, you know, someone like you would be a great mentor to, to many different people. So, and, and I just love all the great things you talk about giving because very often on culture, we think it's like, you have to be um, a go-getter, which is, you do have to do the work, but you also have to be, there's a book called The Go-Giver by uh, Bob Berg and John David Mann, which is an awesome read. And because this guy, when he fo stopped focusing solely on being a go-getter, but also becoming a go-giver, his life, his, his, his career changed, he became very successful. And that's what you're teaching us as well, because, and I think part of it stems from the kind of attitude you have, because when you're just focusing on just taking, 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 it really seems to be coming from an attitude of lack. Whereas you're giving, you have an attitude of abundance. You believe things will work out for you for, in the end. Like you said, don't worry about what's going to happen. Just keep giving and giving, and everything will take care of yourself. As you, as you showed many examples, the more you give, the more you get back. So you don't worry about it. You just focus on helping and giving and things seem to work out in the end. So I think part of it seems to be that attitude you have, just you figure everything's going to work out. I remember reading Robert Allen's, one of the real seekers. He talked about how he went broke years ago and he looked at what was going on. He says, when he stopped tithing, giving money to the church and stuff like that, that's when everything went wrong. When he went back to tithing, you know, given a portion of his earnings, that's when he started becoming more successful again. So it's really interesting. People think that if they keep giving more, there's going to be less for them. But what tends to happen from all the examples you have shared is that the more you give, it seems like the more you tend to uh, give back. And I love that concept you and your mentor had. You know, we the more whoever wins and giving the, and making the other person more money, 
then that person has to buy the other person something each year. And then he taught you this lesson, which was which is really incredible. So it, it is really amazing that the more you give, the more you seem to get back. So you need to change that attitude of yours because the most successful people, every pretty much every successful people I've I've spoken to, every successful person I've talked to talks about focusing on giving. Focusing on having an attitude of gratitude, focusing on how you can help people. The more, as Zig Ziglar used to say, you could get everything you want by helping enough people get what they want. So you focus on helping enough people, things will work out for you in the end. So I love that attitude and I love this idea you have with Givers University. And um, and an interesting stat you have here, and maybe you might, uh, would you mind talking about a little bit more? And if, if it's, it fits in with everything you said. Givers make about three times as much as takers. So could you talk a little bit about that more? Because we may have some people who might still have a bit of a taker's attitude. So maybe this will help change their mind and maybe they want to develop more of a giver attitude. So you might talking about that a little bit? For sure. Uh, thank you for asking that. And, I, and excellent. I, 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 it's great when there's a host that really is into you know what we're going on. I can tell you that you are, Victor, and thank you for that, sir. Uh, I mean, that's great. And I, I, can, I bet you provide a lot of great value for your listeners as a direct result. Uh, one of the things that you know we took as a, an approach, I should say, with Givers University, is a very granular approach, because you know we live in a world now where businesses are open and closing faster than ever before in history. Products are being antiquated overnight by other products that someone came up with in their basement or their garage faster than ever before, just appearing on the market and taking the market over. So when all that's done, what do we really have left? our relationships. And one of the things that I can share with you from all the interviews I've been blessed to do so far, we had the only ones teaching how do you discern in those relationships. As one guy said, he said, man, you know, it's great. I just read this book and it said I have to have five good people around me. And I said, you're right, you do. One quick question, which five? And all of a sudden he's staring at me with this blank look. I said, you see my point? I said, in theory, all that works and that's accurate, it's accurate. But how do you decide which five? What do you look for? What do you do? What you know? What? So we broke it all the way down, over and over and over again, till so granular that you could no longer say, "How do I do it?" Because there it is. You can't ask that question anymore. It's, it's there, right? So the by being able to discern the difference between a giver's deeds and taker's deeds, it helps us surround ourselves, and we can discern because I'm watching them doing this. Should I pull them closer into my life? Or because I'm watching them doing these things I've been taught, should I begin to respectfully, not nasty or rude, respectfully distance myself from them? Because if I bring them in closer, they're going to make me unwilling collateral damage and I'm going to be stomping out fires not of my making. So I can share with your listeners, especially if they're business owners. Think about the fires you stomp out every day. Think about when your stress level goes through the roof. You know what's interesting about both those scenarios? There's a name attached to them. What if we were able to increase our productivity because we had the right mindset and brought in people with the right mindset and we were able to know that, not because we're mind readers, but because we were observing what they were doing. And then what if they had the right lifestyle and the habits? Givers have, we've identified 30 habits. 30 habits that you will see givers do. And also by contrast, 30 habits you will see takers do. We contrast those two. So this is, it's actually a skill, Victor. And that's what's amazing. It's not being taught. How do you discern your relationships? In business, in family, and socially. I'm sure there's some people that are listening to your podcast right now. that man, this is really good. In fact, I know someone in my family right now that's being a little takerish. And maybe a little bit too much. I should. Uh, how do you? Know, but but how do I, how do you broach it? What do you, what do you say? You, you love them. You don't want to hurt their feelings. But this conversation needs to happen, right? Mm -hmm. You know, one of the best things they could do is one of the very best things they could do is share a podcast called "Visiting with Victor" with them. And the reason why is simple: it's third party. All they have to do is say, you know what? I saw this podcast and it was very thought provoking. I really, it was very interesting. Do me a favor, listen to it. And tell me tell me what you think. So you never know. By sharing your podcast with others, their mind may open and now they might become more giverish because when they get the free downloads that we give, and we give a bunch of them, when they get those, Victor, there's a very interesting self-assessment part that's built in. 
So when they start looking through that list of 25, they go, uh-oh, I see me right there. Uh-oh, I see me right here. I better take a look at that. You know. So we teach them a skill set of relationships that simply isn't being taught anywhere else. So givers automatically earn three times more because they've surrounded themselves and they themselves have the right mindset, have the right lifestyle, and they're committed to lifelong learning, and they have systems in place for lifelong prosperity. And as a result, their income literally is triple from that of a taker who at the very moment may think that they're, they're benefiting. And here's one last, uh, two, two last points I'd like to share with your listeners. One is, my business mentor taught me, when you're a giver, people will take advantage of you. He said, expect it. He said, but here's the part no one gets. The second half of the sentence. When you're a giver, people will take advantage of you, but you are never diminished because they did. They are diminished. He said, get that through your thought process. They're diminished when they took advantage of you, not you. And see what happens is once we understand that, Victor, we're no longer coming from a place of fear. We're no longer saying, I don't want, you know, I want to give to them, but what if they take from me? What if they, you'll never be diminished because with the giver scale of life, you'll get back from another person, another event, another circumstance, all those things you heaved on the giving side of the scale because it's always in balance. You're in a, a total winning team situation. There's no way of losing that. So when we're no longer coming from that place of fear, now we can do this freely and really go out there and surround ourselves with the right kind of people so that we're not stomping out fires, our productivity skyrockets because now we can focus on productivity, not stomping out fires and going through stress relief courses and everything else that all are related to usually another person or persons. No, that is awesome. And, and, and you're right. And I'm glad you brought up that last point because I think a lot of people do have some fear. They're afraid of, I'm just too nice. If I try to help people, I'll give too much. People will take advantage of me. And, that's, and, I, and they're afraid of being the base or looks le look less. But as yeah. you said, you're not diminished by the fact that some people might take advantage of you. They are. So nothing affects you negatively. And in the end, in the long run, everything will work itself out. You're going to get it from another person, another event. So you, you're, you actually make yourself better by helping and giving to other people. So again, the, the onus is on the other person, not on you. So don't worry about that. But it, it's, a, it's a very important point you made up. You made because a lot of people do have that fear. And, yes, uh, and, I, and I like the fact, when I speak about you brought up discern before and discern relations, but I also want to just mention the seven things. Discern. Uh, forming the giver's uh, junto, decide, invite, seed, convene, establish, rotate, and numbers. That's very important. And use and, and discerning also just in relation to the kind of people you want to interact with, you want to work with, live with, be friends with, that all affects everything that happens in your life. And a lot of people don't do enough of that. So, uh, and I'm glad you guys talk about that in your Givers, Univer Givers University and, 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 and with the mastermind, that's a lot of people don't discern enough in their mastermind, which probably one of the reasons why they only last one or two months. And I like the idea of like each of the person that goes into these groups, into these communities, into these masterminds has to give more and what they get back but if you have like 10 people in the group and they're all doing the same thing guess what everyone's going to get a lot out of it because everyone is giving so having that mentality is so powerful and just i don't think many people have thought about that because they're only too often like this we're just focused on what's in it for me you know how, well, how could this benefit me and there's nothing wrong with that but if you focus a lot more on that, how can I get do this to benefit others in the whole community it's incredible how everyone gets helped out in the end and it, if people just focus enough on that, they would get their own needs fulfilled, but they're afraid that if they focus on other people's needs, theirs won't get fulfilled. But what happens is when you focus on yourself, um, you usually don't get a lot of your needs fulfilled. So the best way to do it is to focus on helping and serving other people. So, and I'm glad you shared all those examples. They're very powerful. And uh, I like the fact you mentioned there are 30 habits of givers and takers. So I think if people could you know, learn about that from your group, they could say, oh, wow. So these are the things I need to look out for when I'm trying to interact with a giver and the things to avoid when I'm dealing with a taker. So I, I don't think most of us are aware of these. I, don't, I, I, know, I know their habits. I didn't realize there are 30 of them. So it's good to know these things and having the proper system uh, you know, to deal with it. So now I'm glad you've been sharing all this stuff because I think 
Uh, and one of the reasons I do this podcast is to get that information out to people because you never know. One podcast, listening to one thing can change someone's life. You just know there's someone hungering for this thing. I'm going nowhere in my life. What can I do? And they hear you sharing these bits of wisdom with, with them. They say, that's what's missing in my life. So that's why I share these things. And, um, and I just looked up, how long have you been doing this Givers University now for? Well, I have to say, you know, it, it really, the, the, in its most embryonic stage, started when I was with my mentor um, when I was 19 years old. I asked Sam, I said, Sam, will you teach me everything? And I mean everything, everything, everything. Don't, no, don't hold back. I want to know it all. And he said, okay, but I want one thing from you. I said, okay. He said, when the time is right, and you will know that time, I want you to teach as many people as you possibly can everything I teach you. So at 19 years old, Victor, I made a vow. I made an oath that later on manifested as Givers University. Well, that's really awesome. And again, I, I want to bring up the importance of having that mentor that could change that because meeting this guy, Sam Robbins, changed your, your entire life. Such a life change. And you listen to everything he told you to do, which is very important. A lot of, a lot of times people think they can succeed without a mentor, which is really difficult. It saves you so much time and, and they'll, they'll make you avoid so many mistakes that you'll make when you try to do it on your own. So you, you have someone who knows what he's talking about, who's been there, who's done it. And so you do this, don't do that. It's going to save you so much time, so much hassle. It's going to give you a lot more success. And I love what he asked you to do on one condition that you share it with everyone else. And which is what you've done the you know, last several decades. And because of that message he gave to you, you've been able to impact so many people. Again, it's the, it would it, this is what happens. He gave to you, he shared with you, and he's impacted through you. I don't know, countless numbers of people. So this is what happens. You, the impact you can have in so many people's life when you focus on helping, serving, and just giving to them. Focus on giving because the more you give in the end, the more you receive. So I guess that's why they say it's better to give than to receive because you get so much back more when you do that. When you just focus solely on yourself, um, your life is so much more miserable. And you know what? You also feel better when you help people and you give. So not only do you get more back, but you also feel better about yourself because the people that I found that give the most, they seem to be the happiest people out there. They really are. And, and because we know we win, no matter what. And, and, and again, I want to emphasize for your listeners, we love everybody. We love everybody. We don't label people. So when we say taker, we're not labeling a person as a taker. We're labeling taker deeds. And when people learn how to discern who should I have in my life and who shouldn't I? Not judging the person, but looking at their deeds and discerning their deeds. And from that, all of a sudden, happiness is, it's like by default, it's there because the other things aren't. <laughs> and that's what's so wonderful about it. And, uh, and for, for your listeners, if I can, I'd love to share with them, uh, you know, to, to get these, some of these downloads I mentioned that are free and stuff. We want them to have it. They're free, right? Go to our website. It's giversuniversity.com, plural, giversuniversity.com. Uh, on every page, you'll see a place to sign up for our newsletter. Uh, we don't spam people. So they're going to immediately get a, a, a message in their email that says, do you want to communicate with these people? And then say yes. And then within a matter of a, like an hour or two, they're going to download that says, the six arrows that takers shoot at givers. It's a great short checklist. Then about two days later, they're going to get another download. That is the 25 do's. The checklist I mentioned has got the 25 do's. And then once a week after, once a week, every Thursday morning, they're going to get a very short email. Usually has a two-minute clip in it on the next step in forming their Junto. It's a quick little video, two minutes or less, literally. A very short read. We don't spam people. I, you know, I hate that I joined something and because I got some download. Next thing you know, I'm getting 15 emails a day from them. You know, and I just go unsubscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. You know, and so we don't do that we, because every week we our newsletter is called the Giver's Toolbox. Every week, once a week, we want to give them another tool that they can add in their relationship toolbox that will help them surround themselves with givers and have that life of predictable, massive, and exceptional happiness, freedom, and greatness. So I go to Givers University to do that. Also, if they want to on the website, go up to the hamburger on the far, uh, the far right, click on the three lines, and uh, look for the tab that says Givers Junto. And they can click on there, and then they can do a quick little thing. And if they want more information on forming their own chapter of a Givers Junto, 
or being a member of a pre-existing Junto will connect them to them and, uh, and and they can just find that information on there as well too. So uh, we have to walk our talk and we're Givers University. And Victor, what a pleasure it's been to be on your show and to be able to share with your listeners the importance. And as a closing thought, if I may, share with your listeners the three things that my mentor taught to me. These three phrases, short phrases, he convinced me to say to myself every day. And for over four decades, I have said these three phrases to myself multiple times every single day. And they helped me through the ebbs and tides of fortunes and the ebbs and tides of life in general. And these three phrases, I pray that your listeners listen, replay this part of the podcast, write them down, and begin to say these three things to yourself every day and watch what happens when you say these three things. And they are as follows. I will never give up. I will keep rising up. And I will always overcome. Uh, Those are very powerful statements. And I love the way you ended that with them. So it's something to remember because... We're going to go through struggles, we're going to go through obstacles, but if we say these kind of statements, we will never give up because a lot of times people are, give up right about the time they're going to hit success. Like you mentioned, think and grow rich. You remember that story about that guy that gave up three feet from the goal? A lot of times people do that. Success is right around the corner, but it seems like life is challenging them, saying, how badly do you want it? And if you don't give up, you'll overcome, you will rise again, keep pushing, good things will happen. Listen. Um, again, thank you so much for being on the show. It was incredible. I loved your story. I love all the great examples you have. I definitely learned a lot. And I know everyone listening to this is learning a lot. And go to giversuniversity.com. There's a lot of great value on it. And you, you know, we go to that little hammer on the upper right. You'll learn about sending up your own givers junto. So you can learn a lot. He does not spam, so don't worry about it. He's just going to send you values. He's going to say a lot of great stuff. And he's just going to ask you to confirm that you want. You're not going to get 20 emails a day. Don't worry about that. And as you could tell, EA shared a lot of incredible value here. Focus on giving. Be a giver, not a taker. Life will be better for you. You'll be happy. You'll be more successful. And you're going to impact a lot of people's lives, as EA has done over the last number of decades, because it's obvious you've helped a lot of people. You've impacted so many lives. And... Um, I just love everything you shared. I love your giving attitude. You really, really have a wonderful giving heart. You really want to help people. It's just so obvious from talking to you. It was so all the great stuff you shared today. And uh, I just love the, all the wisdom you shared. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Victor. Thank you for having me on your great show. All right. Have yourself a wonderful day. Take care and God bless you. Eh? Thank you. And as we say at Givers University, don't have a good day. Have your best day ever. Amen. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please smash that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our amazing episodes. Please also leave a five-star rating review and have an awesome day.